0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 23, beginning at the 33rd verse. When they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me, When you come into your kingdom, he replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the gospel of the Lord.
1: Please take a seat. is Christ the King Sunday. And we've said it a number of times, that's my king. That's my king. And I must admit that when Stuart told me I was preaching this morning, I was very excited. I was very excited because he is my king. Jesus is my king. There's something within me that just wells up when I think about, the fact that Jesus saved me, and that he is my Lord and my Savior and my King. He gave himself for me, and I know that many of you in this room feel the exact same way, and there is many reasons for that, and we will explore that through today's Gospel reading. But the joy that wells up inside of us when we think of this is one of the signs that he is truly our King. We can see, we can feel that emotion because we recognize our fealty, I know that's an old-fashioned word, but our fealty to the king, our submission to the king. We read just a moment ago that the Romans, they brought Jesus to the place of the skull. And Matthew calls this Golgotha, which in essence means exactly the same thing, the place of the skull. And it could have been called this for a number of reasons. Some have concluded that it is a description of the place itself. One such place outside Jerusalem is near the garden tomb, and it is pictured on the screen now, and it does indeed look like a skull. And so some have postulated that perhaps this is where they took Jesus. Others have suggested that the place of the skull might not have been because of a geographical feature like this, but perhaps more so skull due to the connotation of what that means, which is not a nice meaning. It means death, the picture of a skull. And in a sense, this could clearly be the place where Jesus went because the place where he was taken to be crucified was very likely a place where others had also been taken, a place of death. This place of crucifixion. Regardless of the actual location itself, It was the place of the skull. And with criminals, Jesus was to be crucified, one on his left and one on his right. Historically, this has been pictured for us as the three crosses of Calvary, a powerful picture. And it often stirs something in us. It stirs emotion in the similar way that the recognition of Christ as King That idea stirs emotion, because it has deep meaning, powerful meaning for what it means for us. And I dare to think that the three crosses lifted up on the hill here are the perfect case study for us today of Christ's kingship, Christ being king, the perfect case study. In Isaiah 53 verse 12, there was a prophecy that the Messiah would be numbered with the transgressors, those that had broken the law, and that he would also bear the sin of many and make intercession, prayer, for the transgressors. And these are very important things, for we know in retrospect and in reading today's reading that that's exactly what happened, exactly what happened. Jesus was numbered with the transgressors, the criminals on the cross to his left and right. And Jesus, of course, prayed. He made intercession to his Father, And he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. His prayer includes all at the cross. Those that nailed his hands and feet, those that mocked him, those that stand by and watched it happen, and those on the crosses beside him, perhaps the obvious transgressors. And his prayer also perhaps includes us. Sometimes we don't know what we're doing, Sometimes we make mistakes and don't recognize it until later or at all. His prayer for the transgressors is for all transgressors. The crosses that stand aside for eternity, his true cross. Not just the obvious criminals. It's in this that we can see the breadth and the beauty of what Christ came to achieve. Not just forgiveness for those present then, but also forgiveness for us present now. He was crucified and listed among the transgressors. And there is forgiveness for them, for us. All different types of people watch Jesus on this cross. All different types. Scripture reads... The crowd stood by and watched, the leaders, they scoffed, the criminals derided him, hurled insults at him, and the soldiers mocked him, they cast lots for his clothes and offered him wine. If you were the king of the Jews, save yourself, they said to him. Little did they know that when they called him king, they were so, so right more right than they could know. Not necessarily the king of the Jews for them, but the king for all time. The one true king. The king of the dust beneath their very feet, the clothes that they wore on their back, the wood that he hung on, and the nails that he allowed to hold him there. For as many have said in the past, and I'm not the first, I don't think it was the nails that held him. I think it was love that held him on the cross. He could have called a legion of angels from heaven to come and take him down. He chose not to. They put a sign above his head that read in three different languages, John tells us, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. This was to mock him. And possibly this sign shows above all else how blind many of them were to the true kingship of Jesus. For the Jews, of course, expected a military king. They expected someone who would come and conquer the Romans and take back rightfully for David, the kingdom of David. Take back the land, roll on in and destroy all adversaries. But this was not the king that was to come, that prophecy had said would come, that Isaiah had said would come the king who would be the suffering servant who would lay down his life for the sins of mankind. But someone at the scene did have a revelation of Jesus as king. Someone did. The majority did not, but someone did. A criminal hanging to one side of Jesus saw the truth. And of course, this is contrasted strongly with the man on the other side who did not And the passage says that one of the criminals who hang there kept deriding him, kept insulting him, saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Come on, Jesus. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. This criminal, thief, robber, as some of the other gospels describe him, saw something as he hung there. Not just the innocence of Jesus for his crime. More than that, he saw who Jesus truly was, He saw the kingship of Jesus. And we know this because of his very next words when he said this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This criminal recognized his own lack, his own sin, his own fault, that he was condemned justly. And he recognised that Jesus was a king. Not the king that the crowd had expected, but a king. And for some, this is just a nice Christian story. But what it should really be for us in all truth and honesty, is it should be a confrontation to us. Do we recognize, do I recognize that humanity, including myself, including ourselves, are sinners in need of a savior? That just as this man recognized his lack, so we need to recognize ours. This is an uncomfortable thing. It's hard to face sometimes in ourselves. But it must happen. For we can be one of two sides of the cross. One of two sides of the cross. The side that recognizes our sin, is willing to change, recognizes the authority of Jesus. The side that, by extension, is able to forgive us of our sin, that Jesus is able to forgive us of our sin, transform our hearts and teach us to love as he does. We can be that side, the side that one day will allow us to be with him forever in paradise, knowing that he is not an earthly king, well, at least not yet. But one day, that will be true. Or we can sit on the other side of the cross, the side that refuses to recognize our wrong, that refuses Jesus as king, that points the finger, that blames God and also perhaps others for the wrongs in our own lives and the wrongs in the world that shouts, Jesus, if you're a king, prove it to me. Prove you are a king. The side that finds a scapegoat rather than takes any responsibility. We can be one of two sides of the cross. Which one will it be? No matter what we decide, no matter what we decide, Jesus will still be king, regardless of our decision. Scriptures say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the king of kings. And today, we celebrate that as a church on Christ the King Sunday. He is the king. No power on earth compares to him. Ultimately, everyone, everywhere, everything will submit to the King of Kings. He is the King. But I contend he must be our King. He must be your King. And for this to happen, it requires that admission of guilt, that repentance, and coming to Jesus. It requires us to do exactly as the criminal did on the cross. And when we do that, when we come in repentance, we know that forgiveness is immediate. It is offered to us freely. And there is a promise of eternity that is assured to us. We know that the kingdom of God is a beautiful thing. And that it is promised to us if we bend in fealty to the one true king. The kingdom of God works just like any real kingdom on earth and it is fealty, I used that word before, and submission to the King that really matters in our lives. That's what really matters. Today will you come to Christ the King? Which side of the cross will you be on? This may not be new at all to many of you, or it may be something you're hearing fresh, but it makes all the difference how we respond to this And I dare say, not just now on Christ the King Sunday, but every day how we respond to this. I don't want anyone to think that this message is for someone else and not for them. It is for you. Is Christ your King? This message is for all of us. If you respond in repentance and recognition and bend knee to fealty to the King, you are promised life eternal life, joy, incredible joy, joy that wells up. You are promised that now and forever with Christ as King. Amen.